Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
You know, when I when I think about um, when I think about Valentine's Day and and what we call this love weekend thing, and I, I think of the greatest love of our lives, and the greatest love of our lives, by any stretch of the imagination, and by far should be who? Jesus. Jesus should be the greatest love for our life. And you remember when you think about all the things that He has done for you and for me. How he gave his life. He died on a cross so that you and I would live. He took our place. We were supposed to be on that cross because we committed the sin. He did not. We lived in unrighteousness. He did not. So he took it upon him so that we might have life. Wow. What an incredible thing. Think about it for a moment. What an incredible privilege that we have, that we can be called his children, his sons and daughters. What an awesome privilege. And you know what? Jesus never deemed the fact that he was equal to God and God himself something that he would boast about or, you know, acting like some kind of superhero. You know, there are, I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are different iterations of the straight sacred writings of the word of the Bible, right? There's, you know, the Bible that we know of that's got 66 books in it, 
and, um, and it's, it's the canonical, the canon was basically men, uh, you know, scholars got together and they decided that all of the evidence was there for 66 books of the Bible because of actual historical and, and, and physical evidence. And so those 66 books of the Bible became the sacred writings. But there is also other writings like the Apocrypha that, you know, has, uh, you know, just as an idea, Psalm 151. Open it up in your Bible if you can find it. It's not there. Psalm 151 is there, you know, or the book of Susanna, you know. Uh, and then there's worse than that, there's what's called the pseudo writings or the false writings, just because not only there's no origin, but even the people that wrote those books are, you know, they assumed responsibility for writing books that were not you know, the, the author, I'll give you an example. Did you know that Adam and Eve wrote a book? Yeah, in the pseudo-writings. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. But you know what? In the pseudo-writings, they actually portrayed Jesus when he was a teenager, like flying around and striking people that, you know what? That Jesus does not exist. Did not take advantage of his, his divinity. He came humbly to die on a cross for you and for me. I'm so thankful that he did. I'm so thankful that he gave his life for us. But you see, we look at salvation and we say salvation is free. And I think we all agree that the free gift of God is salvation, right? We receive it by faith. But living for God is not cheap. Living for God will cost something. Discipleship demands a costly sacrifice from all of us. There's a price to pay if we are to live for God. And when it comes to paying a price, we don't see eye to eye with God. We don't see eye to eye with God. We've been in a series that's taken from Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9. And I want us to read it together one more time. And it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But specifically today, I want us to focus on another scripture. I want us to talk about a topic that has been on my heart from the beginning of the year, and actually since the end of last year, as I waited on the Lord to, to, to speak to our hearts as a congregation. And that is found in, um, in uh, uh, Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and here that is. And it basically says this, early the next morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the bank of the Jordan River when they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them. 
keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves or consecrate yourselves, depending on the translation that you have. For tomorrow, will, the Lord will do great wonders among you. Consecrate or purify yourself. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders about you. The subject of our message today is consecration. There's a disclaimer on this that I want to say is that this is a vast subject. There's a lot to say about the topic, but also there's a lot that I have to say that's on my heart about this. And so I may not finish this today. Consecration, friends, is a often misunderstood word in the church. Because we equate, we equate consecration to the, this idea of holy living based on what you do and what you don't do. Do's and don'ts, which some consider some type of merit system to gain God's approval. And so if you do certain things, you're, you got God's approval. If you don't do certain things that he says not to do, you got God's approval. <clears throat> Or I shouldn't say that God says, but that people will tell us to do or not to do. If you do certain things or not do certain things, God is for you. If you don't drink alcohol, you get five stars. You know, if you don't go to the clubs, you get ten stars. If you don't watch certain TV, you get two stars. Especially if you don't watch the Grammys like this year. You get unlimited stars. What'd you say? Bad? Oh, they're worse than bad. But you know what? That's not the way God sees this concept that we call consecration, or as some have also called that as holiness before God. I believe that there are some things that we need to stay away from. I believe that there is influence that we must be careful that we are not polluted by worldly influence and things that will pollute our spirits. Most of all, I have this word for you parents to, to say to you, make sure that you watch what your children are watching. Be careful of the open doors that you allow, that you allow in your children's life. Because when those doors are open and the garbage comes in, <clears throat> there's no pulling back. There's no pulling back. Any of you struggling with allergies? Yeah, it's like the trees are budding already. What's up with that? We're in February. All right. <clears throat> Say no to closing, to, to, to open those doors for your children and in your children's lives. I, I believe that we must be very, very careful. You see, the wrong mindset about this topic of consecration that we talk about is the idea that 
somehow we receive a reward for what we do or not do by following man-made rules and regulations and, and, and traditional ways to gain some kind of, of, of medal from God because we've accomplished the things that He said that we should and, and, and we have not done the things that they told us not to do. I want you to know I want you to know that we must not give ourselves to these ideas. I'm not talking about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. I'm not talking about what the scripture says that we must not that we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But I'm talking about the fact that if this gift of salvation is a free gift, then why is it that we have to pay? Why is it that we have to do <clears throat> all of these things to kind of gain God's approval? You know what? That, that's a form of paganism. In the pagan world, you had to sacrifice something, do something in order to gain that deity's approval. That's not the way God operates. Traditionally, in the church, we have been focused so much on don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. When we should have been focusing on, hey, do this. Read the Bible. Worship God. Come to prayer. Be dedicated, committed. Love Jesus more than you love anything else. We've kind of like shifted our priorities. And we've done it wrong. <clears throat> We need to fall in love with Jesus more than we have ever. We need to feed our spirits on the Word of God because that is what our spirit needs. We need to worship because that is how we are going to grow and be refreshed in His presence. Those are the things that we should do, not the things that, oh, well, you know, make sure that when you come to church, you, you wear your Sunday's best, or make sure that when you come to church, you know, you're there, in, you know, with your big Bible that weighs... 20 pounds, you know, just so that everybody knows that you got, your, you know, my wife and I got a gift when we got married, and it's like this massive Bible. We still have it somewhere, I think, somewhere. Uh, it was a gift from somebody, I can't remember who, but it was a, you know, it's a, it's a Bible. It's great. I'm not going to bring you to church just because I want to look holier than you are. There are no externals that are going to make us look any holier than God wants us to be unless we follow what the Word of God says. And that's what I'm hoping to do today. If there's one thing that I want to do today and inspire in all of us, is to love God with everything that is inside of us. Because when we love God with everything inside of us, you know what? We won't have to... To, to beg God to, to move in our lives. We don't have to, to get on our knees and, and scream. And, and you know what I'm, what I'm talking about? When, when Elijah was on the mountain and the priests of Baal were like screaming and, 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 and mutilating themselves, you know, cutting themselves up, trying to get their God's approval. We don't have to do any of that because God already is paying attention. He's paying attention to a heart that is committed and dedicated to Him. We don't have to go out of our minds screaming, Oh God, we need revival! Ah! Because when our hearts 
are dedicated and committed. And we love Him more than we love anything else. I'm not talking about not praying, guys. Don't misunderstand me. But if we have to do flips and do weird things in order to get some God's approval out there, that's not what God is wanting from us. He wants our heart. He wants my heart. He wants my heart. He wants full dedication and commitment from me. In this passage that we read in Joshua, God instructed the leaders. In verse 3, we read it before. It says, giving, he said, give these instructions to the people. Now, you know, instructions are not, these instructions are a little bit more than just regular instructions. Okay, we're not talking about, well, you know, this is how you open up your, uh, your computer. You press the power button and then you go, Windows comes up and you click the start button and, and you go to your program. That's not the kinds of instructions that it's actually talking about here. It, this, the verb that's used actually in the Greek language, it's the word tsava. And tsava actually means to lay a charge upon, to give charge to or to command or order. It's an order. It's not just a selective instruction. It's an order that God is saying. And He's saying, hey, give these instructions to the people. Now, while I don't think the rules and regulations, do's and don'ts are the way to go, I also do believe that we misunderstand God's grace with permissive grace sometimes. Oh, well, I can do whatever I want. God will forgive me. No, pay attention to the instructions. Pay attention to the instructions. Read the book. Don't come to me and tell me, well, I'm allowed to do this because God is a forgiving God. I'm allowed to believe this because God is a forgiving God. No, if you believe anything that is contrary to what the Word of God says, to the instructions that God gives us in His Word, you are believing something wrong. I'm sorry if that shocks you, but that's the truth. You're believing something wrong. It's an order. It's a command. It's undeserved grace, yes. But it's not permissive grace. It's not so that you can do whatever you feel whenever you feel like doing it and feel justified in the process. God's grace is not a free pass so that you can justify your activities and your desires. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have got to line up our hearts and our lives to His thoughts and His ways. We can't select biblical truths and apply them based on our, or not apply them based on our comfort or discomfort to our flesh. The human nature has to die. The human nature has to die. The flesh has to die. It's got to be submitted to Christ, not the other way around. We have got it wrong because we think that God has to satisfy the way that I feel. And it's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. God is looking for submission to His Spirit, not us being submitted to our flesh. Well, I just feel like doing it. And God loves me, so I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna do it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. 
You know, Israel, God's people, is precious, special possession. God wanted the people of Israel to follow his laws. God's intentions were great for his people. That's why he was saying, hey, pay attention. Watch and be careful to listen to the instructions that I'm going to give you. And we're going to get into that. Pay attention to the instructions. Because God's instructions and laws are higher. There's a higher standard. When we accept Christ, there's a higher standard for all of us. Don't you understand? I mean, guys, there's a higher standard for I know you may look at me and say, what's he talking about? God loves us all. You know, no. Yes, he does. <laughs> Let me make that clear. Yes, he does. But it's not that simple. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. And I know that this is not a message that's very popular. But there's a price to pay to follow the Lord. If you accept that Jesus as your Savior, He calls you His own. And you are called to a higher standard. Higher than the rest of the world, for sure. Why are you saved? Because we changed the address. The old man doesn't live there anymore. Are you with me? The old man has moved. In fact, he should be dead. We have a new identity in Christ. We are sons and daughters with a high calling, a great calling, and a privilege to follow Jesus. So I don't care what it is that we struggle with. We have got to let it go if we have got to walk with Jesus by our side. We got to let it go, friends. We can't play around with God. I urge you today. You see, if you have a weak consecration to God, your kingdom effectiveness will be limited. A weak consecration means if, if your, your kingdom effect, your effectiveness for God will be short and limited. God wants to use you, but if you're not willing to pay the price, you will not be able to reap all the benefits that God has promised to those who are fully committed to Him. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was going ahead of the people. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Look at verse 4. Let's look at that together. It says, stay about half a mile behind them. Those are the instructions. Keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, make sure you don't come any closer. I don't know about you, but I read these verses and I tremble in my spirit. I tremble in my spirit. This tells me that God is a holy God. It tells me that His presence is holy, that He must revered and be respected with everything inside of us. That means that if we come into the house of God and we are ready to worship Him, but we have sin in our lives, blatant sin. I'm, talk, I'm not talking, we all sin, right? Understanding that. But if we have blatant sin, and, and habitual sins that we have not surrendered to Jesus. You know what? The Bible says, hey, you know what? Come to the altar. Leave your sacrifice. Whatever you're doing, stop worshiping. Make it right. 
Make it right with God. You know, these altars are always open during worship time. You can literally come at any time and say, Lord, I am struggling with this, this habit, this sin, whatever it is. Give it to the Lord. Because he is more interested in our sanctification and purification and consecration. You say, God, I've been praying for revival. Well, you know what? Maybe God is saying, how about you've address some issues in your life before. Because God, God's presence, can we put that verse back up again, Ann? God's presence is holy. Why did he say stay away from it? What happened to those men that touched the Ark of the Covenant when they were carrying? Oh, it's falling. Let me, let, let me go help him. They died because that wasn't the order. That wasn't the command. God's presence is holy. Jesus. Now, if you're hearing condemnation in what I'm saying, you're hearing wrong. And why am I saying that? It's because I have my struggles. We all bring our struggles with us. None of us are holy, right? We're not perfect. We're not saying that you need to be perfect. But I'm talking about that neither should you be striving, living a performance-based Christianity that's not based out of love for God, but it's based on well, I got to do, I got to do, I, I don't have to do, I, uh, let me not do that, I, I, I got to do, I got to greet at least, you know, if you're not, uh, uh, you know, in the hospitality team, I got to greet at least 20 people today or God's not going to be happy with me. That's not the way it works. That is performance-based belief system in God and that is not what God is demanding. That's not what God is looking for. When we enter a relationship with a holy God, we have got to develop a healthy fear of the Lord because a healthy fear of the Lord will bring us to a point and a place that we repent and not run from God. You see, some people will say, he's saying, stay half a mile away. I'm going to stay 20 miles away. I'm not getting near that thing. And sometimes that's what we do because we come into church and the presence of God falls on us and we just begin to sense something and then all of a sudden we just say, oh, um, and what happens is a word disconnect take place. We become disconnected. We shut off that part of our spirit that needs to connect with the Father. We do it. I've done it. He wants us to connect with him, but we disconnect because we're afraid that if we get into God's presence and something is not right in us, that we will be punished. Instead of running to God and say, God, here I am. Here I am. 
I'm not perfect. I'm struggling in this area. God, will you help me? Will you strengthen me so that I don't fall into that temptation anymore? I don't want that anymore, God. I want to be consecrated to you. I want to be purified in your presence so that I can stand and worship you. Oh, God. Oh, God. May the fear of the Lord fall fresh on us. Because we have got to operate from love, not for love when it comes to his presence. God is looking for us to fall in love with him and not perform to gain his love. Joshua, in verse 5, told the people, purify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do great things. We have to remain committed to this process that God starts in us. It's a process of purification. He wants to do a work that's deep in each and every one of us. He is saying, is God is speaking to each and every one of us today. And he's saying, purify yourself. Because I got great things to do in you. We have got to remain committed. To that process. He invites us. Into that process. As a relationship of love with him. Not as a condemnation. The closer we get to God. The more we will not want to do those things that hold us back. The closer we get to God. The more the separation. Will be less and less. Thank God that the veil has been torn into at the cross. That gives us free access. We don't have to stand half a mile away from the Ark of the Covenant, from the presence of God. You get what I'm saying? There's a sense of reverence for his presence that we cannot just appear in the God's presence just as we are messed up and knowing that we are not willing to let go of the sin that so easily entangles us. You know what? There's still scriptures that talk about, uh, about, about us stripping away the things that entangle us, that hold us down, that keep us back from the purposes of God. You know what? We keep ourselves behind <clears throat> For reaching out to the presence of God. You know, the, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, hey, you know what? Take off the things that hold you back. Here in the Old Testament, God was telling his people, you stand back because if you, if you come too close and you're not right, something is going to happen to you. And so consecration is so important. The process is called sanctification. We've heard it before. It's a, it's a word that we don't, you know, I mean, today's church environment, we don't want to mention consecration of sanctification of holiness because it's just like you're way too old-fashioned for me. You're too old-fashioned. I'd rather be old-fashioned and right with God. I'd rather be old-fashioned and right with God. If you're discouraged because you don't measure up, please don't feel discouraged because none of us fully measure up. 
We're just doing what we can to make sure that we can present ourselves in the presence of God. Listen to this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16 says, And be obedient, children. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So what? I'm sorry, Apostle Paul or Peter. What are, what are you saying here? That if I live and conform to evil desires that I'm ignorant? And ignorance here means not having the knowledge of the truth. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means that we know, but we're not abiding by the truth. So he's saying, hey, you know what? You are called, but just as he called you... Let me repeat it. I can't say this verse. What's wrong with that? But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Drop. Go home. There's really nothing else to say. This verse says it. How do we get there? What does it mean to embrace sanctification and to walk in purity? How do we walk in purity? We all desire to walk in purity. God gives us access to every benefit, all the blessings of his presence. This is not small things. This is not small stuff. When we are committed to God and His presence, He gives us access to all this, all the stuff that God says, hey, you know, it's part of my presence. Here it is. We get access to the whole enchilada, as we say, right? God gives us access to His presence, all the benefits of His presence. The Ark of the Covenant, again, represented the presence of God. In the Old Testament. And you know what? If they had to stay away, it was because there was a purpose and a reason for that. We have got to have reverence for God's presence. When we come in the church and we worship God, our hearts need to be in tune to the frequency of heaven. Our hearts need to be in touch with God. We need to be committed to the presence of the Lord. If not, what are we coming to do here? You know, this corporate gathering that we're doing is for the purpose of unity in the body so that we can achieve all the benefits that God says in His Word that we would achieve. So that means that if you come in and you're not feeling well physically, emotionally, or spiritually, we should be able to pray for you and you should be able to be, receive Everything that the Bible says in His Word that you would receive. That means that if you're sick, you'll be healed. That means that if you're struggling with something in your life, you will be set free and delivered in the presence of God, by the presence of God, because He is not a man that He should lie, not the Son of Man that He should repent. And what He said, He will do. He will do. I want to see everything that God says in His Word that He would do. 
But in order for me to see everything that God says I am going to do, I need to align my heart to his heart. And that means that when we come into the presence of God together to worship the mighty God, we come with hearts wide open. We come come with minds that are clear. We are ready to worship him. Nothing else matters. Put aside the worries and the concerns of this life and worship the Father. Wow. What a privilege. That we have. In Psalm 24 verses 3 and 4 it says this. Listen. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? It's the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. In other words, what God is saying here. Hey. Your heart and your motives have to be pure. That's it. Your heart and your motives have to be pure. What happens when we do that? We ascend. We go higher. We go higher into the presence of God. We go deeper into what God has for us. We don't want to press into his presence just so that we can say, wow, I got goosebumps. The Lord showed up today. We can go home and, you know, and tell our friends, oh, yeah, God, God is with us at church. It's not so that we can get some gold star medal. God is moving and, and we're better than you. Our church is better than yours. That's not, that's not what the purpose of God moving in our midst is. It's transformative. He wants us to go higher so that he can work deeper. Hmm. Can you change topic, please? But that's the truth, guys. Revival will always be accompanied by humility, a change, a transformation, a mindset change, clean hands and pure heart, right motives, right heart. All of those will lead us to right actions. But we got to start with the mind and with our motives. It's got to start there. When it starts there, then God says, if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, period. We don't have to put any, we don't have to read the verse. Because you know what, that then tells us everything that comes from it. Then God will set you free. Then God will heal your body. Then God, you know what, we have got to come in humility. We have got to come with right heart, right motives, believing that God can and He will. You remember someone by the name of Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14 tells us that he also wanted to ascend. He wanted to go higher. He wanted to go higher, not in experiencing God's presence. He wanted to sit on the throne of God. 
What did the verse that we read in, in Psalm 24 say? Who does not trust in an idol, swear by a false god. We abandon our idols. We abandon anything, any false hood, false anything, right? Because we want to get into God's presence. And we are not going to be like Lucifer. How do we walk in purity when we're surrounded by so much evil and impurity? It starts with our commitment to please God more than we desire to please our flesh. Pursuing God more than we desire any other pursuits in life. You see, God is looking for consecrated people, not perfect people. We don't preach perfection. We preach and we're not shy about it. Strong pursuit of God. A weak consecration will lead to weak Christianity. And in this culture where Christianity is being attacked at every turn by everything and not withstanding and not only, but wokeism is at attacking Christianity at every turn and every corner. You can't be, you know, committed to Jesus because some woke individual will come to you and tell you, well, you're just old fashioned and what are you talking about? We have got to be committed to Jesus. You may think it's hard to follow Jesus. If you think that, you're wrong. It's not hard to follow Jesus. It's impossible to follow Jesus. It's impossible as long as you try to do it on your own strength. It's impossible as long as you try to, to figure things out on your own and thinking that you got the answer to it all. It's impossible. It's only possible when we commit our lives to Jesus and to follow in His footsteps. Let me conclude with this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to break that verse word for word, if that's okay. It says, do not be conformed. It literally means don't follow the design or fit the mold that this world or this culture wants you to fit in. To this world, the words to this world refer to a cycle or an age to come or an age that we are presently in as opposed to the age to come. Or you can say culture. But be transformed. That word is metamorphosis. In other words, when Christ comes in us, we look the same, we speak the same, we act the same, right? Right? Are you with me? No, we don't. We look different. We speak different. We act different than the rest of this culture. And then it says, by the renewing. This means to complete the process, to make new, which intensifies as a new development that's achieved by God's power. You know what? God is making us new, not because we have got the authority and the power to do it. He does it by His developmental power in us. His power, not ours. Of your mind. And this refers to the God-given capacity that each one of us has to think through which we receive God by faith. So you're saying, give me an illustration of that. Easy. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 16, verse 16 talks about that we have received what? The mind of Christ. That is that mind that it's talking about here. We can't really process anything unless we receive this renewed mind, which is the mind of Christ. It's the same word. And so I want to rephrase this verse in my translation. I only have one verse in that Bible. So here it is. And do not follow the designs or fit the mold of this culture. That's Romans 12 and 2. And, or fit the mold this culture wants to put you in with its ungodly way of thinking. But look, speak, and act like Jesus Christ. As your thoughts and desired, uh, desires are renewed by God's power so that you will be like God and desire what he desires. That is the ultimate goal of God in our lives. Let me finish with these two verses. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. And then verse 11 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart. In my heart. That word heart here refers to the inner man. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is, yes, for young people, as it does mention, how can a young person do that? But it also refers to all of us. And that word, according to your word, is not the word. It's not the Bible. It actually refers to God's decrees. It refers to what God has done that has been proved to be right, that it is the truth. In other words, it's God's advice to us that's already been proven right. Wouldn't you want to do that? How can we keep ourselves pure? All you got to do is just look at what God has already done, what he's already said, because it's already been proven to be right. And so all I have to do is to follow his commands. It's a simple thing, you say, but it's not. Because he requires our collaboration. He wants us to be humble and to be open. Because he is doing a work of purification in the church. He wants to purify us so that he can fill us. He wants to cleanse us so that he can do a work in us. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.